Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity. Stories of perseverance. Stories of accomplishments. And maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez. And I want to hear your story. What is up, everyone? This is D2, the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. And yes, I'm excited to share with you my journey to the New York City Marathon. So this is episode 153. And as promised in the previous um, episodes, I was going to do a recap of my experience and you know how did I get to New York? What was my training like? Because it certainly was not your conventional uh, training. So First off, uh, let me just say that, uh, you know, I was, our team at Big Peach, we had, uh, I believe, seven of us that got into New York City uh, Marathon, courtesy of New Balance. So thank you, New Balance. So we were contacted and we were asked, you know, how many people wanted to do New York? And so we submitted our names, you know, almost a year out. And somewhere around June, we found out that we got in. And of course, many of us had, you know, races already planned and our calendars kind of already put together. And, you know, I had a couple of challenges uh, that I had because I had a couple bike races leading up to the New York City Marathon. Uh, like two weeks right before the marathon, I had a 104 mile gravel race in Bentonville, Arkansas. So how am I going to train for not only a 104 mile gravel race, but the week prior to that, I also had a, a 50K mountain bike race. So how do I train for a mountain bike race, a gravel race, and a marathon all within a period of about you know three to four weeks? So um, that was a bit of a challenge. So, um, you know, so once again, like I said, I wanted to thank New Balance because we, you know, we were able to get in. I did not realize uh, until after I was done with a marathon and after I started seeing ads and, and posts about how difficult it is to get into New York. Um, it is one of the hardest races to get into. It is also one of the largest um, you know, uh, fields of uh, participants with uh, almost 52,000 people running the marathon. So it was a great experience. Thank you to New Balance. Um, you know, um, they got us in. You know, uh, everything else we, you know, had to, you know, we had to pay for our own flights, own a hotel, and all that. So it wasn't like it was a free, completely free ride. But the ability to uh, not have to, you know, go through, you know, lottery program or s some other type of uh, way of getting into New York uh, definitely made it very easy and convenient um, for all of us. So thank you, and it was a great experience. They, uh, you know, hospitality was off the charts. They were one of the, you know, uh, sponsors of the race, so they were had a big presence in New York, um, and I'll get a little bit more into that and some of the activities that I attended um, with New Balance and some that I, you know, did was unable to make. But... Um, so going into it, just to back up a little bit as far as my training, because like I said, it is a bit uh, unconventional because most, uh, I think, training programs will probably start, you know, anywhere, uh, I'd say maybe about 16 weeks um, to ramp up to uh, a, a marathon. And I, you know, with a variety of races, I did not, I wasn't able to do that type of training in, especially in the, you know, almost three to four weeks, I would not be able to do long distance type of training because I would be doing these other uh, bike races. So trying to squeeze in long runs wasn't going to happen. So luckily I had sort of set up myself up early in the year to do other uh, marathons. 
that sort of built up my fitness early in the year. And it allowed me to um, have that fitness and, you know, maybe even that muscle memory to get me to New York. So it first started out with, uh, you know, a trail race up in Helen, Georgia. It was a trail marathon. And, uh, you know, obviously trails, it was all, you know, pretty much, you know, all uphill for the most part. It was 3,000 feet of elevation gain at one point. And, um, and, you know, I ended up getting lost. I ended up putting almost, you know, doing almost a 50K, so almost 30, 30 plus miles. Um, so that was in April. And then that was training to, you know, to get me prepared for the Leadville Trail Marathon that took place in June. So that took me, you know, about seven hours. It was an amazing experience. I was able to get a lot of time on my feet, um, even though I did not run the entire thing, um, because obviously it's, you know, you're at elevation, you're starting at 10,000 feet going up to, in this case, right over 12,000 feet. Um, because the course was rerouted due to the conditions up at the top of the mountains. It was snowy and, you know, uh, we didn't have access. And at some point there, you know, we were probably, you know, easily below freezing. Uh, I know that when we started, um, in Leadville at 10,000 feet, we were right around 32 degrees. And as we climbed, it only got colder and it, at, you know, almost seemed like we were running in the middle of a blizzard, uh, up there at 12,000, uh, at just over 12,000 feet. So wrapping up, you know, uh, you know, you know, Leadville in June and took, uh, you know, several weeks of recovery and then started doing some easy runs. And then in order to kind of maintain my fitness, I decided to do a four hour, you know, uh, loop race, uh, called hot to trot up in, uh, the Canton, Georgia area. And so it is, uh, about a 5k loop course. And then you run as many loops as you possibly can within that four hour time period. They also had an eight hour and I am not at that point yet as far as, um, you know, thinking that I could do that much and run for eight hours. Although when you think about it, I did do Leadville in seven. So what would be another hour? So maybe that's something I think about next year. Only difference is it's in July and, you know, temperature are in the, in the nineties. And I think, you know, we were running easily in 95 degree weather in July. So I ended up doing 21.45 miles. So, you know, I've obviously had been doing long runs and I could do that type of distance. Um, so I recovered from that, took a couple weeks off, um, easy runs and, you know, obviously doing some biking as well, you know, on the indoor trainer to loosen up the legs and just maintain fitness. So August 1st was when I was going to start my, my training. So that was about 13 weeks leading uh, into the New York City Marathon. Of course, you know, when you think about it, I, would, I wouldn't be able to train through those entire 13 weeks because I did have those two other bike races, you know, three weeks before. So really, if I was going to, you know, train, it was going to be training for 10 weeks before the, the, the bike races. And then really that would be it for my marathon training. But I thought I've got the, you know, the, the mileage on my legs from, you know, the two trail marathons and, you know, hot to trot that I had a good solid base to build on. And I wasn't going to start at zero for this training. I was going to start, you know, ramping up my mileage and doing long runs. So that started on August 1st. And the training, you know, that I had put together and, and, and I am self-coached and I'm in no ways a coaching expert. 
as a matter of fact, if you are a coaching, you know, a professional coach and you do this for a living, you'd probably look at me and, and look at what I'm about to share is like going, that is completely nuts. I would never recommend that to a client. Um, so take that, um, you know, as you will. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is not something I would recommend. This is what I did in order to complete, you know, my journey, um, to this, uh, race. So the plan was to start August 1st and to do long runs. Every run was going to be basically a long run and build up on that. So I was running, uh, anywhere from the idea, the plan was to run three times a week. So week one, I I accomplished three 10-mile runs. The following week was going to be three 11-mile runs and then three 12-mile runs until I got up up to about 15 um, and then I would, you know, or 17, and then I would just do one longer run that would be, you know, if if I was doing two 15s, then I would do one 17, two 15s and one 19 and build it up from there. Well, you know, it didn't quite work out that way. And, you know, it's probably no surprise that I did uh, end up with a slight injury. Um, I still don't know the cause of it. Um, It ended up being, um, I experienced a little bit of pain underneath my right uh, ankle. So it was a tendon. Uh, I didn't know that exactly at first. I thought, man, you know, what if it's something you know, what if it's a stress fracture, you know, that's always the worst case scenario. And, you know, your mind tends to go towards that. So that's what I thought. So I took, you know, about a week off and like, okay, let me start running again. And, you know, ran for about a week or two and it didn't get any better. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to take more time off, you know, do what, you know, a professional, you know, uh, PT or, you know, or podiatrist would say, it's like, just take the time off and let it heal. And so I did that, but it still did not um, seem to improve. It, you know, it's, it seemed like it stayed the same. And, you know, at one point I was like, just started putting pressure underneath the ankles. Like, well, where's the actual pain coming from? What are, and, you, know, is there, you know, if I press on it, do I feel anything? And that's where I started feeling, you know, what seemed to be like a knot. And so, um, since nothing else was working and rest by itself was not working, I was like, well, let me take a massage gun. So I have, um, a couple of massage guns, you know, a Theragun, I've got, uh, you know, the larger one and the, and the mini. And so I started using that sort of like around the ankle and around the base of the heel to see, you know, how did things feel and how did things, you know, was I going to make it worse? Let's not put too much pressure on it. And... Little by little, I did start feeling a little bit of relief and even release of that tendon to where I could start running again without experiencing a lot of discomfort. Now, keep in mind, it wasn't so much that it hurt while I was running. It actually hurt more after I was done running. So um, I did that for a couple weeks and um, and that, that injury occurred like right around week you know, seven of the 13, you know, so, you know, five weeks out from my marathon, that's where I was experiencing or eight weeks out from my marathon. That's sort of like when I was started experiencing that, you know, discomfort. So I took a couple of weeks off. Um, and, and I thought, okay, well maybe, you know, is a possibility of it being the shoes, you know, we talk about that a lot of times. Sometimes it's just not the right shoe for you. So I was like, well, let me try that. Now, 
because this was all, you know, I was going to New York and got in because of New Balance and we were going to be hanging out with some New Balance folks, I wanted to run in a New Balance shoe. So I ended up running in the New Balance Super Comp Trainer. Now, I had had that shoe since, you know, sometime late last year and finally started running in it. And it is a um, max cushion shoe. It exceeds the, you know, World Athletics, you know, requirement for, to be, a, you know, a competition shoe, but I'm not in that level, so it wouldn't make a difference. But I did get to think, it's like, well, maybe it's too too high of a shoe for me. Maybe that max cushion is causing some sort of <clears throat> pronation or something that's causing some discomfort in the tendon. So I decided, well, I'm not going to run in the super comp trainer. Let me try a couple other different shoes. So let me, at least as I start back up again, let's try the endorphin speed. And then let me try the endorphin pro. And it didn't seem like it made any difference. Um, the discomfort was still there. Um, and you know, it wasn't until I started massaging it, you know, the tendon that I started feeling that release and said, okay, well, you know, that's doing better. Let's go and try the New Balance Super Comp Trainer V2. And I had already purchased it, I think, even before um, my injury. I just sort of had it there knowing that, you know, version one uh, would be a training shoe for me and version two would be my marathon shoe. So, <clears throat> The difference between version one and version two is version two is a lower stack height. It now meets, you know, World Athletics, you know, uh, requirements as far as not exceeding 40 millimeters in stack height. Um, like I said, not that it made any difference to me as far as, you know, being a legal ratio. It was more of, is that lower stack height going to help me as far as, you know, not get injured or not experience any discomfort? So it didn't seem like any shoe really made a difference because eventually as I massaged it and, you know, the tendon and just lightly put pressure on it, it just tended to loosen up. <clears throat> so I did prefer version, uh, super comp version, uh, super comp trainer version two over the original one. And it could be for a variety of reasons because maybe the version one, I had put a, uh, 286 miles on it. And although it still felt soft, this version two felt much softer. And I also try to, and this will be a little bit more of a kind of a shoe review if, if you're into, into that, but how did the super comp shoes compare to the endorphin speed and pro? And they're very different. The, I would say the, the endorphin line is very responsive feeling. So it has a very kind of quick turnover, um, but it's not the softest, softest. It doesn't feel plush. Now, keep in mind, it is still a very soft shoe. That Power Run PB is soft and bouncy, but it does seem like it feels a little bit firmer underfoot, where the New Balance Super Comp Trainer uh, version one and two just has a little bit more of a plush feel. And I felt like that would be a more enjoyable shoe to run 26.2 miles. So I was glad I made that choice because it did feel comfortable for me. So um, by the time I got to the marathon, I had put in 75 miles already into the uh, Super Comp uh, Trainer version 2. So it was working well for me at that point. Um, and like I said, <clears throat> I was trying to run two to three runs a week. I was also riding my bike uh, inside and sometimes outside one to two times a week. So I was doing anywhere from you know, three to 
maybe five days of training um, during the week. Um, on average, there were some weeks where obviously when I was, you know, wasn't running and was taking time off that I only did one day. Um, some of my runs, like I said, it was rare that I actually got to run three times a week based on schedule and based on other things going on, based on you know, the injury. There's some weeks where I only ran one day. And I went back and looked at my training calendar and the most mileage I put in a week was 39 miles. I never ran more than 30 mi- 39 miles in, in a particular week. I only did that twice during um, my training. Um, most of the times it was anywhere from 20 to 30 miles. Um, and so, you know, the, you know, the only thing I think of is that the injury occurred maybe because of just overuse, just, you know, running out at Stone Mountain and, you know, maybe the roads being off camber, um, and running in that same direction, you know, I was running counterclockwise and that's something there, um, along with the, you know, high mileage ended up affecting that tendon and causing some issues. So in the weeks leading up to it, I was able to reduce the discomfort. It seemed like eventually it just kind of faded away um, and, you know, felt pretty good going into it. So I did take two weeks off of it. um, And then the longest run I had, which was my last run before heading out to Arkansas for my bike rides, was 22 miles. And it felt really good. Um, I did one more run once I got back. So the week before I left for New York, I did one run and I ended up, uh, testing out the brand new New Balance 1080 V13, which is a super, you know, plush shoe. And I figured this is what I need for that kind of like easy run, you know, kind of recovery run before going to New York where I don't beat up my legs and went out, did one loop around Stone Mountain, so about five miles, and had a really great run. I was able to really, you know, put in some speed, even though it should have been an easy run, but I felt really good coming off of the bike, and the legs just had that, hey, let's kind of, let's go out, let's take them out, let's let's see what the legs can do, you know, which we all, you know, kind of want to do, especially during that taper period. So I went out, and I had you know, even on the hills around Stowmont, I ended up having some really good um, fast miles. I averaged, I think, about an eight-minute uh, mile over those five miles, starting really slow, which didn't feel good at the beginning. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be in a world of hurt uh, if my pace is going to be in 9.30, 9.40 right off the bat, you know, on mile one. But as the legs loosened up, and I was able to do a quick turnover. There were times where I was averaging somewhere around a 7.30 pace, which, you know, that's, that's how I was able to get to that eight-minute uh, eight mile pace um, for five miles as an average. So I was able to pick that up. So that felt really, really good and gave me confidence going into the race that, okay, my legs are, you know, they do have that speed in them, even though I didn't do any speed work. But for me, eight-minute mile, you know, average is, is fast for me. So headed off to New York, um, feeling pretty confident and, you know, arrived, flew out Thursday, race is Sunday. So I flew out Thursday, I arrived, flew into LaGuardia Airport, which is, you know, probably one of the, it's close to, you know, the city. So uh, JFK is a little bit further out and I didn't want to fly into Newark 
because I was concerned about travel and, and costs as far as an Uber and, and getting to, you know, to the hotel. And, you know, so the plan was to get an Uber and then I look up on my phone. It's like, all right, well, how much is an Uber from the airport to the hotel? Turns out it was 90 bucks. And I was like, ouch. And that did not include the tip. So I was like, is there a better alternative? And that's where I went to Google Maps and inputted the address to the hotel and got directions for uh, mass transit. And it was $2.90. And I was like, sold. And so, you know, got directions to take the bus from the airport. The, there's a, basically, a, uh, there's a bus that's for free from the airport that takes you to, I believe it's Jackson Heights. Um, and from there you get to the subway and then you take the subway and takes you, um, I can't remember the, the, the train. I think it was the F train. Um, it takes you into Manhattan. So figure you know, how hard can it be? Well, of course, you know, when you, when you're not used to mass transit, you know, and you're only used to Atlanta, basically only having two trains, you know, one that goes east, west and one north, south. Um, I jumped on the first train and realized that was taking me somewhere else. So as soon as I realized that I hopped off of the next exit and then, you know, um, at the next station. And then when I saw the next train come by, it was a correct one, jumped on that. And that took me, uh, over to, um, you know, Manhattan. And I had, uh, you know, I think I was maybe six blocks away from the hotel. <clears throat> so that was really convenient. And, um, you know, it was very simple. It's just, you know, you use your phone to pay and you just tap your phone on the little pad on the turnstile and in you go, um, as long as you've got Apple Pay set up. Um, so really convenient uh, to travel around New York, um, to jump on the buses or the trains. Um, I found that very easy and easy to use using Google Maps to enter whatever addresses you, you needed to. Um, and I did a lot of walking. Um I, I didn't use the subway all the time except where I thought, well, this is a little bit further away than I would rather, you know, not walk or run to. So, um, so got in New York, uh, you know, checked in the hotel and then headed to the expo. You have to sort of kind of pick up your pick, you know, your, your, your number and bid pickup, you have to kind of schedule. There's a window and they do it to sort of kind of spread out the amount of people that are going to the Javits uh, Center where the expo was. And so, um, I think I had a time from like one to four or something like that. So I think around three 30, I'm like, all right, let me go. And I have no idea whether, you know, if you go past four o'clock, whether they'll let you in or not, but I, you know, no one was checking. So it didn't seem like there was a lot of people. And, you know, the one thing that someone had told me was go to the expo the first day, because that's where, you know, if you're going to buy anything at the expo, especially, um, you know, you know, New York city marathon swag, that's where, you know, you'll, there'll be plenty of sizes, you know, a lot of people show up on the last day and then, you know, your size isn't available. So I was like, all right. And I wasn't really sure what I was going to buy or what was available. And I said, all right, let's just go. And that way it's got it done with and it's taken care of. So, um, headed over to Bryant park, um, a couple blocks away from where I was staying and got on the subway and then that took me to the Javits Center, exited uh, the station and quickly was able to find the Javits Center, walked over there and it was 
you know, huge, you know, uh, as far as signage. And it's just really amazing to see kind of what they've done, you know, what they do for New York. It just makes it seem so big and special with the signage. Um, so you walk in and there wasn't a line, easy to get your number. Um, and so you get your bib first and then you go over to another uh, area and you pick up your shirt um, basically, you finish your shirt, and then after that, you walk in the expo area, and you walk in, and it's all New Balance stuff. So it's basically a huge New Balance uh, store with um, all their you know New York City Marathon swag and everything that they've got there for for uh, the marathon. <clears throat> so you know, checked out a lot of stuff, spent a good amount of time just kind of like looking at it, like, what do I want to get? You know, is there anything cool to get? And yeah, I needed something because I I needed a shirt that I was going to run in that was a New Balance, you know, and even though I work in a running store, we don't really carry New Balance uh, clothes. Um, it's been a couple of years since we've carried New Balance in our stores. We are very limited in the type of apparel that we carry. So I wanted to represent New Balance because, you know, they were kind enough once again to get us and uh, get me into the New York City Marathon. So I wanted to represent by wearing one of their shirts. So I looked around and I did find a really nice, um, it was a black, you know, um, you know, uh, tee, um, very breathable, very stretchy. I, I really liked the material, um, and had the logo on it for the marathon. So I was like, I know I'm going to wear this again, you know, down the road. So that's cool. And then was, uh, looking at some other stuff. I ended up picking up, a you know, a quarter zip pullover for those cold days, uh, which luckily, you know, I, warm <laughs> on several days while I was in, in New York because that helped. It was cold and windy there. Um, and, and picked up a you know, complete outfit, you know, sweatsuit, hoodie, and, and sweatpants that, that had the logo on there as well. So I ended up with a nice little haul there. Um, and as far as shoes, they had their New York City Marathon, you know, shoes, the Super Comp Elite. Um, and they were also the New Balance 1080 V13. That was their global launch. So uh, it had released, I think, on November 14th, November 13th, um, here in Atlanta and, and, and nationwide. And then uh, the weekend of the New York City Marathon was like their global world launch of that shoe. So they had that on display there. Um, and that was a shoe that I also brought with me sort of as my recovery shoe and walk-around shoe. Um, so, um, after that, you know, you kind of exit, uh, after you, once you pay for all your swag, you pay, you go through the exit and you then head out to the larger portion of the EXO that had all the other different vendors, you know, you had like, you know, ASICS was there and, um, shocks and the feed and, um, uh, Morton and, you know, uh, all, a variety of different things, including a lot of the sponsors there. So, um, the, the main sponsor there was TCS, um, um, which I think stands for, uh, the T stands for Tata something, I can't remember or something, but it's, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what the, uh, what, what their, their business, but yeah, there was, um, a couple of different, uh, major sp sponsors there, including uh, United, uh, airlines, I believe is their airline sponsor, uh, bank, um, as well. Um, 
yeah, I've forgotten now at this point because it's been it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks since the marathon. So you tour all that, and you and you and you go to the wall where you can find your name, uh, you know. And so you take pictures there, and there's different areas that uh, they had a nice area there that showed the course of the uh, of of you know the marathon course. And at certain spots, they had uh, video that kind of showed you what to expect. What was the course like? Kind of a uh, um, a virtual view of the course from, I guess, previous years. So that was kind of cool to see and, and kind of see what to expect. Um, so, you know, did, you know, your typical, you know, expo type of, uh, you know, you know, uh, tour and, and checked all that stuff out. And um, then I headed back to the hotel, got something to eat and uh, just kind of chilled out for the rest of the day. And because it had been a long travel day, I think it had been up since like, 3 a.m. because um, my I had an early flight at uh, 7 a.m. So um, just relaxed, unpacked, unwinded. Uh, I think I had some work to do. I brought my laptop, so I did did some work um, back at the hotel. And the next morning, we had a um, a shakeout run with New Balance at Columbus Circle, right there, um, very close to the finish at uh, near Central Park. <clears throat> so we met at this uh, sh- at these shops there, and we met to one of our um, one of our uh, uh, regional sales rep, uh, Sean Burrows, who kind of took care of us while we were there and uh, was a, a great host. Um, so we got, uh, you know, connected with him early on and they had food in this like shopping area. They had taken uh, over like the second floor, um, which was, uh, you know, every day they had something going on there. So that morning they had like breakfast food and stuff. And um, so, we, you know, we left and and did a big group run uh, had a group photo and, you know, uh, ran, you know, it was a short run. I think we maybe ran a total of three miles, um, around Central Park and we, not all of Central Park, but just a part of it. So we got to run through the finish line, see that as that was getting set up. Um, I actually ran from the hotel to the, to the run, um, cause it wasn't that far. It's like a, a little over a mile and a half away, I think. So for me, it was a nice, easy kind of warm up. And the same thing on the way back, ran back to the hotel. <clears throat> we were meeting up with New Balance for lunch and uh, they were gracious enough to take, uh, we met with all of our team um, and uh, everyone, uh, all of us that were running New York City Marathon met up with uh, the New Balance team, the various uh, people there that were there, um, uh, including some of the designers and you know, and, 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 and uh, people involved in the product. Uh, for New Balance, and uh, you know, basically at a, a met at a, somewhere in Hell's Kitchen called Meatballs. So we definitely ate pasta, and we started our carb uh, carb load. So that was nice uh, to be able to do that. And uh, and then uh, I think everyone was kind of scattered. They were going to the expo. I had already been to the expo, so I'm like, I'm good. And you know, I think I ended up doing some uh, a little bit of sightseeing. Um, you know, around the hotel. And then I had a, um, New Balance had an event, um, uh, run your way panel. And so they were going to have different individuals uh, that were sharing their story of how they got into running and the things that they've overcome. And it was, you know, uh, a venue that New Balance, I guess, had rented out because they had another event there, I found out later. But the event was supposed to be, you know, I think they did karaoke that night and they had uh, Action Bronson. I, I did not stay, you know, for all that. I went, you know, got, I think they had some uh, some appetizers and some drinks and and uh, then they did the run your way panel. And then when that was over, I was like, all right, I'm heading out. 
but it was good to kind of talk to some of the New Balance folks that were there and talk about product and talk. Uh, I, ended up did, I, I did end up talking to one of the guys who's in charge of uh, developing the fuel uh, cell lineup. So Supercomp Elite and Supercomp Trainer and all that. So of course he was very interested in my thoughts of the Supercomp Trainer V2, V1 and V2, since that's what I was running in. Um, so uh, that was a great experience to talk you know, product and for someone that was really open to listening to uh, feedback about the shoes. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that kind of wrapped up uh, the night. And so that was, that was Friday. Um, Saturday was sort of like my touristy day. I'm like, all right, I've got, there were other group runs planned. As a matter of fact, um, New Balance had another shakeout run with Believe in the Run, which my understanding is they had over a thousand people that showed up based on what I saw in the videos. So I'm kind of sorry I missed it, but at the same time, I had other things planned that I had to see while I was in New York. And so <clears throat> for me, you know, I had to go to New York and see the 911 um, September 11th Memorial. Um, I, so I signed up in advance and got the tour, went to the museum. And then went up to Freedom Tower. So I was able to, you know, go to the top of the Freedom Tower and take pictures and do all that. So that started at about 10 a.m. And I think by the time I got done touring the, you know, the museum and everything and going up to Freedom Tower, it was about 2.30 in the afternoon. And I was like, okay. You know, I had taken the subway to, to, um, to that part of town and had to take a subway back, but I had spent a lot of time on my feet, so I was a little concerned about that with the marathon being the next day. And um, but I also had to get to Central Park to drop off my you know uh, finish line bag, you know whatever I, clothes I was going to change into after my marathon. I had to drop it off by five o'clock. So by the time I got back to the hotel, packed the bag, and then you know I was looking at you know can I take a subway and you know. I was like, I ended up walking, I think I ended up walking back to Central Park, so more walking, and finally dropped the bag off, and then, you know, it was like, okay, well, now I got to get dinner, um, and what am I going to eat, and, you know, I couldn't, you know, I was concerned about what to eat and being unfamiliar, because, you know, that's the one thing we're, as runners, and, you know, we're always concerned about is... I don't want to eat anything that's going to upset my stomach. I also don't want to eat in an air, you know, in a restaurant or something that I'm not familiar with that could potentially impact how I feel later tonight or tomorrow morning. So, um, but I also needed to eat somewhere near the hotel because I didn't want to, you know, be further out. I wanted to call it an early evening and I didn't want to spend a lot of time, <clears throat> you know, at that point out because I wanted to be in bed by, I think by 930 is, is the latest I wanted to be in bed. So, but I also needed food for the next morning. And, you know, the hotel I was staying at, they had sort of like a continental-type breakfast where they had coffee and water and bananas and some uh, croissants and danishes and stuff like that. And, and I was like, yeah, that's good and all, but that's probably not going to be enough. So um, so I ended up – actually, I ended up going to – back to uh, – since I was already over Central Park, I went to – um, the Fleet Feet store that's right there at Columbus Circle. I ended up buying, um, let's see, I believe I bought a Morton gel, not Morton gel because I had already ha brought some with me. Um, their bar, um, their, I think it's the 320. I'm looking here. Um, 
Yeah, they have a, a solid. It's called the solid, the Morton Solid 225. Um, so I bought that for the pre-race because that's one of the things that I ended up picking up while I was at the expo. Morton had a booth there and they sort of kind of gave you a little bit of you know, what your timing should be for nutrition, what it should be before the race and during the race and even post-race. <clears throat> so I picked that up. I was already using Morton for my uh, race so that I was like, okay, well, let me get one of these solid bars. Um, I ended up going to a bakery and I ended up picking up uh, a, a cinnamon bun. And I was like, well, it's just sugar, it's carbs. I'm like, I guess I'll have this for breakfast. <clears throat> and then for dinner, I th I, there was a Chipotle near the hotel. I was like, well, this seems like it's a safe bet. And I know I've eaten Chipotle before and you know, I, I should be good. And so I did all that, ate, and then kind of got everything um, ready the, the, the night before, my clothes, my shoes, everything I was going to wear, my nutrition, all that got it set because it was once again going to be an early morning. Buses, I had to be on the bus at 5 a.m. Now, <clears throat> once again, thank you to New Balance because part of the deal that we had with New Balance is we got to ride on what they were calling the VIP buses. And, <clears throat> you know, there were a lot of VIPs. It wasn't like it was one bus and just us. There were easily 50 buses, if not more than that, that were catering, you know, um, you know, to a variety of VIPs. So everyone that was a sponsor that had some sort of you know, connection to a sponsor were, were on these VIP buses. Um, otherwise, um, there were other buses that would take you um, that they were limited because I think I tried signing up for that initially and they were out. And so the uh, the option I'd signed up for before I knew about the VIP buses was um, to go on the ferry. And so I had to take a train, you know, uh, uh, you know subway to the, where I could get the ferry and the ferry over to um, Staten Island. So I was a little disappointed because I kind of wanted to, to take the ferry, you know, but uh, at the same time it would have been, I think, a much earlier morning. And, um, you know, temperatures were definitely in the 50s, so it could have been a colder morning. Um, and so, you know, was able to get on the bus very easily and then just sort of like just chill on the bus, close my eyes, try to nap and head on out. And, um, you know, luckily it wasn't, like I said, it was around 50, 51, 52 degrees. So I, th I had, I was wearing my shorts I had everything I was going to wear on, uh, you know, for the race, and then I just had a throwaway long sleeve T-shirt. Um, so there wasn't a lot that I had to like, you know, remove for the race. So lucky that it wasn't a cold or wet, you know, day. Um, so we head on over, um, and you know, didn't recognize much of anything, and it was kind of dark. So I just kind of closed my eyes and until we got to the Verrazano, we start crossing the Verrazano, um, and then it starts feeling really real. It starts getting really kind of excited. And we, you know, arrive and we start, you know, getting off the buses. And there's already a ton of people there that have arrived by either bus or by ferry. So very, very cool. Lots of energy, um, a lot of nervous energy. Um, and, uh, and then trying to find our way because we, you know, once again, credit to New Balance, we got to head over to the New Balance area, which, you know, all the sponsors had their own kind of tents and, and set up, you know, that uh, the VIPs could get to. 
so we're lucky and and able to do that but trying to find it you know it's we were kind of tucked way way in the corner um past everyone else um so we we were in the furthest spot from where the corrals were so you know nice the that we had that vip area but at the same time we had to pay attention to the corrals and we did have a bit of a way to 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 walk and get to to the corrals as i found out later you don't want to waste a whole lot of time because i almost missed mine so we arrived there um one of the first people from our group to arrive there and so we're you know inside under a tent which was which was nice they had food there as well which is also very nice so i ended up having some coffee because I hadn't had any coffee that morning. Ended up, um, uh, they had these little uh, kind of like box breakfasts um, where there was a bagel. Um, and uh, so I had some of that. They also had, they had water and I think they maybe had like Gatorade and they did have SIS gels. So that was kind of cool because SIS was um, the on-course um, gel um, and the on-course drink was Gatorade. So, um, and I'm not a Gatorade. I'd never trained with Gatorade and, um, and it, it just doesn't do well for, for me, uh, as far as, uh, my nutrition. So, so, you know, walking over and I also see these, <laughs> I also saw a lot of people had these like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts beanie hats that they were kind of giving away. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. But there were people lining up for them. I'm like, ah, I don't want to line up for it. And luckily when we got to the tent, there's a table full of them. So of course I grabbed one and I'm like, okay, got to have this one. Got to have a Dunkin' Donuts, you know, kind of bright, you know, pink and orange color, but, you know, and it had the New York City logo on it. It's like, I just felt like I had to have it, you know, and I'm glad I got one. So then we start, uh, the rest of our group starts arriving. And of course, we're just kind of sitting waiting and talking and, you know, just commenting about, you know, what we're going to do and how things are going and how's our, you know, everyone's, you know, visit been. And, uh, and little by little, we start, you know, the, they start calling out the corrals and the time. And, um, you know, you have, they'll, they'll do like a countdown says, Hey, 15 minutes before you, this group goes out. It's like, Hey, corral such such is open. You've got 15 minutes to, you know, to line up. So we had a couple uh, individuals to, that lined up. I was signed up, I believe it was like for the third wave, which is a 10 hour and uh, uh, 10, 20 a.m. And there were also three different, you know, um, uh, race number courses. And I didn't realize this until much later is that there are actually three different courses that you run at the start of this race. So, uh, you know, somewhere around mile three, around the 5K mark, they sort of kind of all join in together, but they get split up at the beginning. And I, someone did warn me about this. I won't say they warned me, but they d- did let me know that, you know, when you think about New York City Marathon, you think of the start, you think of the Verrazano Bridge and just looking up and just seeing the, the top of the bridges. What I didn't realize is that there is a second level uh, underneath that, that some of the runners run through. So they never get to see that view. And so I was going to be, you know, someone said, Oh yeah, I think based on this wave and this, you're going to be, you know, on the bottom. And I was a little disappointed by that because I really wanted to experience that view at the start. And it's just so iconic. And luckily I found out that I did get lucky and I did get to run on top and did get to experience that view. So that was very, very cool. And it's as inspiring and just 
moving as you can possibly think of um, because it, it, it just, it's everything. It's just indescribable to, to cross that bridge and to look up at, you know, perfectly blue sky and just see those spans across. And, and you're like, man, I can't believe I'm running this. Um, <clears throat> so that was cool to know all that now. So let's get back into my race tactics and, and, and thinking about, well, how am I going to run the, the race? So when I signed up for this race, you know, one of the questions that they ask, like any other marathon is, what is your projected finish time? That's how you get placement in, in your wave. And, you know, I didn't really have any high expectations, but I knew that I'd run under four hours. And I knew that, you know, I could potentially run under four, four hours again. You know, and what four hours, you know, under four hours means is it could be a 358, a 359. I didn't expect to set a PR. I knew what my training was going to be like. I knew that it was going to be sort of kind of very erratic and unconventional. And just being able to finish and experience this race was, you know, the ultimate goal for me. <clears throat> so I was like, all right, let's sign up for four hours. And so most of my training had been, you know, running around Stone Mountain, um, getting in a lot of hills a lot and a lot of hills, um, and doing probably the hardest training I've had ever done leading up to a marathon. Um, as I said, my longest run for this was 22 miles. I think the most I ever ran previously for a marathon was 19. Um, and I probably ran it with as little of hills as I possibly could, where this time I took the opposite approach. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, try to run as much, as many hills as I possibly can to build that fitness. And I wasn't going to worry about speed. I just wanted to finish the race in a very strong uh, manner to where I could still walk um, not only after the race, but the day after the race. I didn't want to be so beat up that I felt like I couldn't move or um, and not really enjoy that last day, that Monday uh, after the marathon, you know, in New York. So that was my primary goal. <clears throat> so as we start getting to the, you know, closer to the race and at the expo and everything, I start thinking about, well, maybe my time could be faster. Maybe I could do a 350. Let's shoot for a 350. So I end up seeing um, at the expo, they have the little uh, pace bands. And so I picked up the pace band the, for 350, which I believe was at 847, 846 um, a minute, uh, pace. I'm like, well, that seems kind of doable based on the training that I've been doing. Let's see how things kind of go. Now, keep in mind, I've been doing a lot of walking in the days prior, um, not to mention the bike racing and all that and not having really run that type of distance in a couple weeks. But as we all tend to do, Sometimes we get a little bit overconfident. And so we sort of like, let's ramp that up. Let's see what I can do. And, you know, and at the same time, I wasn't going to be disappointed if I didn't get that. I had already set my expectations. But it's always nice just like, let's just see if we can push it just a little bit. And so that's what I did. <clears throat> so as far as nutrition, I had been training primarily, I won't say primarily, exclusively with tailwind in a hydration pack, so um, 
I carry a uh, Solomon hydration pack with two soft flasks on the front. Typically, one is filled with water and the other one filled with tailwind. And I would refill them if needed on those longer runs. <clears throat> I did not want to run with a pack um, for my marathon. Um, you know, they, obviously, they have um, restrictions around wearing any type of hydration type pack on your back, but you can wear soft flasks on front. You just can't have anything in the back for secure reasons, all that. So I did have that option, but I was like, I just, you know, for training runs, I'm comfortable, you know, being uncomfortable wearing something on my back. On race day, I don't want anything weighing me down, even if it's something as minimal as two water bottles. But, you know, wearing a, a hydration vest, even if you don't have anything in your back, there's still material back there that makes you sweat a bit more. And I just don't like that for race day. So my option then is to use gels. So I decided to use Morton gels. Now, I've used Morton previously, but I only use them on races. I never train with them. I think I experimented once with them on, you know, during a training run and realized, yep, okay, seems like I don't have any stomach issues. Seems like it goes down fairly easy. Seems like I can consume them pretty well and I don't have any issues. And the reason I don't train with Morton gels is because as if, if, you're, if you've used them, you know this, they're expensive. They're about $3.50, a dollar more than your regular gel. So to do all those training runs would have cost me a lot more money. I was like, let me just train with something I know works for me. And on race day, I'm going to reserve these because I know these also work for me. So I just sort of kind of had this... <clears throat> you know, idea, uh, you know, before arriving in New York, it's like, well, what's going to be my race day strategy? How many gels am I going to need? And I knew I would need probably five to six gels. And, um, and I was thinking, okay, about 35 to 40 minutes seems like it's the right time to take them. Um, I was looking also at the, the amount of carbs that I take through tailwind and trying to replicate that through gels. And so I think I was taking about, I think it was 50 uh, grams of carbs an hour through, um, through tailwind. So I need to do something similar. But the gels typically are, I think they only are about 30 grams of carb or 25 grams of carb or something like that. Anyway, it just, it, I had to figure out the math. So luckily when I got to the expo, you know, Morton had this, kind of guide that basically said, this is where you need to take your gels. It wasn't inclusive of time or pace. It was based on mileage. So basically they're like, before the start of the race, you take one. And in this case, it was a caffeinated gel. I did not have any caffeine in any of my gels. So at mile zero, you know, 15, five to 15 minutes before the start, you take one caffeinated, you know, uh, or one, yeah, 100 uh, Morton gel. At mile three and a half to four, you take another one, seven and a half miles, 11 miles, 15, 18 and a half, and 22 and a half were the different points where you would take a gel. And there are times there where they had specified that it should be caffeine. So <clears throat> I ended up taking those mileage and I wrote it uh, with a pen on my forearm to help remind me. And it was so much easier to do it based on mileage than to try to do, you know, uh, time math 
uh, in my head. Because if I'm taking it at 40 minutes, what's, you know, if then the next one's got to be in about 80 minutes, what's, you know, 80 minutes? What's the next 40 after that? So trying to remember that, I was like, I don't want to do that. Let me just write it down and not try to do the math in my head. So that, that really helped. Um, so I had, um, you know, that bagel at the, at the, at the New Balance tent. And then right before the start, um, they called my wave. I ended up going to the bathroom um, and then made my way to the corral. I did a little uh, selfie, you know, Instagram post and uh, then made in the corral. And I, I think about 30 seconds to a minute after arriving at the corral, they like closed it. So they don't mess around. And if, if they close the corral, it doesn't matter what your time is. If you don't make it, you have to wait until the next time. So if you miss your start, then you're starting much later. They won't let you back in. So <clears throat> I got in where I needed to be. Awesome. So we're standing in the corral and we're waiting and they've got porta potties there. And I'm like, I should probably go to the bathroom one last time. I'm like, no, I just went. I should be fine. And so we start lining up and they take us out to the road and, you know, you start seeing the bridge and everyone's lining up and it's getting really exciting. And, you know, I look over to my right-hand side as I was running on the left-hand side of the bridge. So on the median, right in the center of the both, you know, sides of the road, they had um, kind of the start cannon and all that. And I look over as they're counting, counting down <clears throat> and one of the guys are, puts his hands over his ears and kind of signals to cover your ears. And I, luckily I did so because when that cannon went off, man, it was loud. I felt that just reverberate through my entire body. Um, so we started out running and at that point, um, it got really, really, um, you know, you know, it, it just became such a cool experience to start running. And, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to pace. I knew that first mile was going to be slow. Um, you know, and plus, you know, everyone's got their cameras out and we're taking selfies and video and, you know, taking pictures. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to run while taking pictures. So that first uh, mile for me was my slowest mile, which is good. You want it to be slow. It was a 945-minute um, mile. Nice and easy. Heart rate was nice. You know, was, you know, was controlled, about 140 beats per minute. You know, felt really good. <clears throat> and as we cross a bridge, you kind of see the course kind of separate a bit. And that's where I realized we're on different courses. Like we split off at some point. And I don't even really know where we kind of joined until later when I'm looking at the map. I was like, oh, it was around the 5K mark where I see that we kind of joined uh, and all the courses kind of merged together. But I don't recall that ever ever noticing when that happened. So, <clears throat> of course, after that, you're sort of like kind of running on a downhill. And so that ended up being a faster, you know, pace. I ran a 751 pace, uh, at that point. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's, let's dial it back. Legs feel good, but you know, this is only mile two. <laughs> we got another 24.2 miles to go. So let's kind of dial it back a little bit. And so it settled into a comfortable pace, you know, and, um, right after that, uh, three mile mark, uh, right before I think the 5k, so right at three miles and right before the 3.1, um, I was like, let me go to the bathroom right now. Let me just go in. And so, you know, use, you know, the bathroom, I was in and out probably in about a minute, under a minute, I think, uh, according to my Garmin. 
<clears throat> so, you know, the next mile ended up being, you know, a little bit slower, about a 9-12 pace. And after that, it just remained fairly consistent where I was running anywhere from an 8, you know, uh, 807 to an 825, 820 pace, um, all the way to about, um, looks like all the way, all, all the way up until um, the half marathon mark. And it was until mile... 15 and 16 where I slowed down to about a 858 and 844. Now that's crossing one of the bridges. Um, and that's where, um, that was the Queensboro bridge. Um, yeah, cause that's at uh, mile 15 is, uh, when you enter the bridge, you're already into, yeah, mile 15 is like right at the beginning of the bridge and mile 16 is right at the end of the bridge. And, so you're just, you know, and it gets kind of quiet um, and, you know, there's no crowds cheering. That's the one thing I'll say is like about this course, man, the crowds were intense. It was crazy the amount of people that were out there, the people that came out there in droves to cheer, to spectate was incredible, something I've never seen before. There were times out there in some of these smaller roads where, it felt like the, the the spectators were like right on you. Like maybe runners were maybe two to three, you know, running two or three across and everyone else was spectating because they were just coming out in droves and just really cheering, really getting you pumped up. Um, if you've ever seen, you know, the mountain climbs, the Tour de France, where the, the, the riders are riding up and, and it's just like a single rider or two and, and the crowd's right there. That's sort of what it kind of felt like. It was really an awesome experience. <clears throat> so much so that I was wearing my aftershocks. And for a lot of the course, I couldn't hear any of the music. I had picked out like music specifically for New York. Like I was listening to, you know, had Jay-Z and the Beastie Boys and, you know, Alicia Keys, Empire State of Mind, and just really kind of music that would just get you pumped up and, um, really, uh, you know, sort of like New York theme type of music. And I could barely hear it, um, with the crowds. So, you know, coming, uh, off of the Queensboro bridge, you know, that's where you start feeling like, okay, we're mile 16. We got 10 miles to go. Legs are starting to feel a little bit tired, but let's push through it, you know? And it's the first time I would say the legs felt, started feeling like some fatigue, but not to where I'm like, I'm really slowing down, feeling tired. It's just like, you notice that fresh feeling to, okay, this is going to take some work. I'm going to have to push through it a little bit, you know? And <clears throat> coming off the bridge was crazy. Once again, the crowds came, yeah, I think that was one of the largest crowds um, that I ended up experiencing, uh, and, and just the amount of noise, especially, and I don't know, maybe it's because the bridge was so quiet and there weren't any, anyone on there. And then you come into this, you know, uproar of, of people and just, and just the, the, the intensity of the crowds there was just really, uh, incredible. So it, it seemed like right after that, I got back on pace. Um, I actually ended up having like a 750, uh, split at mile 18, and then 19, 20, 21, fairly consistent, like right around 8.30, 8.36 pace. Mile 22, slowed down a little bit, 8.41. Mile 23, 8.40. And this is where I started kind of slowing down a little bit. Now, <clears throat> at mile 20, we get cross over into the Bronx. And I thought, you know, coming off of the Queensboro Bridge was, was a, a, a really r raucous and rowdy 
man, the Bronx, they come out as well, man. There are so many, I can't remember the name of the group, but they, I saw so many like Bronx runners type of, you know, club you know, run group shirts out there. They were just cheering and they really came out to support all the runners and it was fantastic. So we're coming in and, you know, we're, you know, hitting that, um, you know, mile 22, I'm starting to slow down. We start hitting, um, mile 23 and you're starting to hit those hills that they tell you about in New York. And, you know, I, I'd heard and other people, uh, kind of say this as well. I saw a recap of someone from, you know, that did the marathon said, Oh, New York's one of the hardest marathons. And I'm like, it's not the hardest. It is hard to get into as I found out, but it is not one of the hardest, especially if you run in Atlanta, if you train on the hills, um, believe me, you will be prepared for New York. So um, as you kind of, kind of run through, um, you know, somewhere around mile 22 and a half is where you start seeing Central Park on your right-hand side. So you start running and you're like, okay, Central Park, we must be we must be uh, near the finish, right? But your watch is saying mile 22 and a half, mile 23. You're like, wow, we still got three more miles to go. And like, yeah, you do. Um, but once again, the crowds were out there. I I was aware that the Guggenheim was somewhere near, um, it was across the street from the, from the Central Park, but I didn't know exactly where. So much so, the crowd was just so intense that I actually ran past it and missed it and somehow missed that we entered Central Park um, because someone told me afterwards, like, oh, yeah, you go to Central Park and then you exit. I'm like, we did? I, I, I didn't see it. I, I was like, it just became a wall of people um, through that area where, you know, you could look up and see the buildings and you could, you know, but I did not realize that I was in Central Park. And that, you know, like I said, it gets hilly in a, in a variety of different sections. And then you exit down at the bottom um, I guess on, uh, West 59th. And that's where I was like, okay, I know. I'm like, ah, is, you know, is this Columbus circle? I'm like, nope, this is not Columbus circle. It's further up ahead. And then I recognized like, yep, this is Columbus circle. This is where we enter the park again. And at that point I knew we were close. I knew that the end was near. Um, and like I said, my legs were struggling a little bit and I was looking at my time and I'm like, remember at the beginning I said, I had to run an 8.47 pace to finish in 3.50. And in the times that I've been kind of bringing up, they've all been under 8.40. I've been 8, low 8s, 8.15s, 8.20s, 8.30s. And only until the last, you know, um, the last few miles did we, did, you know, did I hit those, you know, higher numbers. It wasn't until mile 23 that I hit 849, mile 24, 902, 25 was 855, 26 was 902. So prior to that, everything had been way below that nine, uh, that 847 pace to hit that 350. I had no idea what time I was going to finish, but I knew that I was going to be under that 350. I didn't know by how much. So, you know, we start clocking, you know, looking at, at, you know, I knew that we were fairly close. I start seeing the 800K um, mark, you know, um, before the finish, then the 400K. 
then the 200K, and like right before the 200K, you can look up and you could see the finish line. You could see the timing. You could see the banner cross. And you're like, oh man, this is, I can't believe it's almost over. And I'm not feeling completely broken as I have felt in previous marathons. I'm feeling, yes, tired, but I, I didn't feel broken. So we cross the finish line. I stopped the watch. <clears throat> and of course, you're, yeah, everyone's kind of pushing through. and like, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And the biggest complaint everyone has finishing New York is a long exit um, from Central Park. Now, I've heard, I've heard people say, oh, it's about three miles that you walk out afterwards. It's not three miles. It's, I would say maybe it's a mile and a half you know, to exit once you enter Central Park, you know, and from the finish, you have to go out and I think they exit you at 77th Street. So you're probably walking, you know, a half a mile. Um, but then again, everyone, and I got video of this, is walking like a zombie. No one's briskly walking. Everyone's kind of like dragging their feet. You know, they give you your medal. Um, then they give you, uh, I think they give you a, a bag with food, uh, in it, and that's where I had a sip of Gatorade, and my stomach just completely turned into a knot. Um, and uh, there was something else there that they gave, like some solid type food. Um, and then they gave you a poncho. It's a really nice poncho. It's like you know, it's got like fleece lining on the inside, and uh, you know, throw that on. Even though it wasn't like super cold, you know, you're sort of depleted, so you start feeling a little, uh, you know, some chills and stuff. Uh, especially if it's you get a little bit of breeze. So it was nice to have that on there. So as you're kind of walking through, you know, you get out and you finally exit, um, like I think it's at 77th Street at Central Park West. So that's probably about a half a mile. And then you've got to walk back down to Columbus Circle or one of the side streets in order to exit. And that's probably another mile. So you, it's probably about a mile and a half from the finish before you're com totally completely out of that, you know, finish staging area. Um, and I mean, it felt great. It, you know, I mean, I was definitely tired, but I could walk and granted my walk was not, <clears throat> you know, I would say I did not have a spring in my step, but it felt good. And I felt like I had pushed myself as much as I could. And while I won't say it was a perfect race, I think for me, this was the, the best executed race that I've done. This is my fifth marathon. And I have botched, <laughs> all of them I have botched in some sort of fashion. And this is the one that I felt like I botched the least, the ones that I executed the best um, based on my time and, um, and how I felt afterwards. So that being said, you know, I, you know, kind of teased a little bit about my finish time and what my pacing was. So what was my official time? Three hours, 47 minutes and eight seconds. And I am blown away by that finish time. Considering the type of training that I did, like I said, very unconventional, not a lot of time on my feet as far as doing those long runs, maybe doing three uh, long runs per week, um, sometimes only one, um, being injured, throwing in the bike training, and then not to mention all the walking that I did in New York. It just leaves me wondering, not that I'm disappointed with my finish, but leaves me wondering, what if I had done and strictly focused on New York? You know, would I have had a much better time? You know, um, heck, just not going to the bathroom at mile three 
would have saved me a, a minute. I would have finished in, you know, 346, you know, uh, 08, um, you know, and, and so could I have done a little bit better? Yeah, probably, you know, would I have changed anything? For my first time doing New York, no. I would not change a single thing. I had a blast doing what I was doing, um, visiting and sightseeing. Um, to see the September 11th memorial, to listen to the stories, to listen to the tour, to look at all the uh, you know, the exhibits there, to see everything that kind of transformed not only that city, but this country, um, was well worth it. Um, and for me, it was, it was an amazing experience. So no, I, I wouldn't have changed it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, you know, maybe if I had moved that and put it that day on the back half after the marathon, maybe that's the only thing I would have changed. And maybe my time would have been better. Who knows? So, um, overall it was a great experience. I mean, I ended up, you know, um, taking a train back and obviously having a hard time walking, but still able to walk up and down stairs, although not easily, probably better than some others. But, you know, I felt like I had a great race. I had a great experience. Got back to the hotel, did some work, showered, went downstairs to the Irish pub that was there and had, you know, dinner, some fish and chips and a nice uh, porter. And, you know, just... Felt really great about that accomplishment. And of course, as you see people, you know, in New York and wearing their medals, um, you know, just kind of congratulating them, saying hello. And that was really nice to see. Um, so the next morning, you know, I ended up uh, taking a trip to the Guggenheim. I had gotten tickets and wanted to see, you know, some art. And uh, it's something that I tend to do now when I travel is try to look at, you know, it's not about just you know, going out there and doing a race, but try to see and getting cultured for be- lack of a better term, um, to better myself. Um, and, uh, so I ended up going to Guggenheim and, uh, that was, I took a train there and then spent the rest of the day walking And And my choice of shoes, as I mentioned earlier, was a New Balance, uh, 1080 V13. It is a very comfortable shoe to walk in. My legs were not fully recovered. I did use my um, Theragun Mini. I did take that with me and used it the night um, before and the morning of, um, the night after the race and the the morning uh, after um, before heading out to the Guggenheim. So I was able to, you know, get some sort of recovery going. But my, you know, part of my recovery is, is to walk, you know, just stretch the legs out, Try not to let things uh, stiffen up too much or get too tight. So after walking around the Guggenheim, which was fine going up the Guggenheim, on the way down, it was that's where you started feeling your quads where they felt a little tight and you felt like almost you were going to fall uh, forward. Um, <clears throat> then did just walked around Central Park as much as I could and uh, and then walked over. I had tickets to The Daily Show. There was a taping there that I'd gotten um, several weeks prior that I signed up for. So that was cool to kind of experience that and see that uh, live taping. Um, and uh, so, yeah, once the writer's strike was over, I ended up uh, signing up to get tickets uh, for that uh, show on Monday night. Oh, actually, it was Monday afternoon. They tape at, uh, that was at 3, we had a lineup at 3.30, and they tape it, and I think we were done about 6.30. Uh, then I ended up going to, walking over to 
near Broadway, near Times Square, and there's a place there that someone told me called Junior's. It's a well-known restaurant, just a, you know, like a, a counter type of deli type of restaurant. Um, and, uh, you know, end up getting a brisket sandwich. And they're also well known for their cheesecake. So I was like, let me get a slice of that cheesecake because I just ran a marathon. Um, so that was, you know, you know, and once again, throughout the day, I saw many people wearing their medal. I did not wear one only because I felt like, I don't know, like some people are, are you know, are going to be very proud of their accomplishment and they should. I, for me, I'm just very reserved and I don't want to kind of like, put it out there and I don't want the attention, but for the people that were out there, congratulations. And anytime I saw any, any one of them, I congratulated on their finish. And, um, so that was good. Um, and then, um, after dinner, I had tickets to go up to, um, the Rockefeller center and go to the top of the rock. And, you know, evening, you know, at that point it was eight, I think I got there about eight thirty. So just to see the city and the skyline at night was kind of cool and it was windy and um, so got to do all that. So once again, an incredible experience, uh, lots of sightseeing. I really enjoyed my time. Um, and so my my final thoughts on New York and I'd, I would, you know, for anyone that hasn't done it, anyone who's interested in doing it, it is a must-do race. And I would say if it is your first, if you haven't done one and you want to do the New York City Marathon, every other marathon that you do will, can't compare to New York. It just can't. New York by far has to be the best um, with the amount of people that are out there, the crowd. I've done Atlanta twice. I've done Jekyll Island twice. And there's completely different experiences. I don't know of any other race where you can have that much crowd support that will carry you through a race. And so if you do New York and it's your first one, man, that is awesome. Every race after that, don't expect the exact same thing. It's going to be completely different. So, um, and it, yeah, I would say it's a must do race. Um, take some time to see the city, um, put some time after the race to do it. Um, and, um, you know, train for it. And if you're in the Atlanta area or anywhere that has hills, run the hills. They are going to help you so much. Do not shy away from them. Um, embrace them, you know, suffer through them, conquer them because it's only going to help you, um, for, for a race like New York city marathon. Um, it is, it has some rollers, but none of them is, is going to be as hard as running a marathon in Atlanta. And, and for me, I think that's, Mentally, that helped me. Um, the training definitely helped me. Um, the crowds, you know, helped me. And uh, like I said, it was an awesome experience. I would love to do New York again. And I would love to do it and really try to see if I could get another PR there to really take more time off of um, my race. Um, and then if I was going to do any sightseeing, I would definitely do it, you know, in the days after the race, I would probably put two or three days after the race and just fly into the race, fly into New York, go to the expo, have a day to rest, run the race, and then two days afterwards for sightseeing, or maybe even three days for sightseeing. That's probably how I would change things around a little bit, but uh, man, it is a must do race. And the people were incredible. Um, Everyone was very friendly. I didn't run across anyone that I would find rude. Um, 
And I was concerned about going to New York just because it's such a big city and you sort of kind of hear things about, you know, you know, whether it's crime or, you know, just maybe people being rude or whatever. And I did not encounter that at all. Um, you can definitely tell who the New Yorkers were because they, um, they're on the move. They're, you know, uh, street lights are more of a suggestion. <laughs> you know, that, you know, if there's no traffic, they're crossing the street. They got places to be and they're going to cut, you know, through people to get to where they need to be. I don't see that as being rude. I just see that as people just know what they want. They know where they want to go. Um, and at least in Manhattan, I just see that as a, like, I would compare that a little bit to like a Vegas or like an adult type of Disney where there's just so many people there, so many lights that it's busy all the time that I don't think you have to be scared or afraid of, you know, Ooh, I'm in this area where like, there's not a lot of people, there's people everywhere. Even when I was walking back from the Daily Show where it's like when, you know, through Hell's Kitchen where it's not the most heavily trafficked area, you know, and even Hell's Kitchen sounds ooh, kind of scary. It's not. It's a very nice neighborhood. Um, you know, a lot of brownstones, a lot of residential area, um, lots of, you know, bars, you know, on the lower level, you know, uh, residential up in the upper level. Um, plenty of people on the streets. I, I, I never felt like I wasn't safe. Um, and that was a concern of mine. So, uh, definitely I'd say I recommend going to New York and, you know, can't believe that I was born in Queens and hadn't been back, you know, probably since I was 10 years old. And so almost 40 years later, I'm going back and I'm like, man, that city has got so much energy. So I, I, I fell in love with New York all over again. I'm not saying I would live there, but I would love to go back and visit and, and soak up that energy because it was really, really amazing. So with all that, thanks for uh, tuning in. I hope that uh, you were inspired. I hope that uh, you learned a little bit about either about what to do or not to do um, if you're you know, training for, uh, for a marathon. And I uh, hope that uh, you know, I got you motivated to try to, you know, if New York is on your bucket list that you make that effort and you uh, really consider it and, uh, and sign up for it because it's an incredible race. So um, this will probably be the last podcast of the 2020-23 year. Um, I will uh, be back in 2024. And uh, so uh, happy holidays and uh, see you then. And until next time, keep running, keep riding, and keep believing in yourself. See ya.